throughout this prayer, uh, throughout this time, just opening it up um, so that we can corporately uh, pray some of these things. And so within this prayer, there are uh, theological principles that will help each of us during this time, during this difficult time right now. Jesus is not only showing us our needs, but also providing the answer. This prayer was not meant, to, though, to be this thoughtless repetition, uh, repeated like the Gentiles do, as he mentions prior, but was meant to simply be a guide to our prayers. But as a body, we can unite together and agree on these principles. So why don't we read through this section here, and then we'll, we'll kind of break it up and pray through them here. So he says in verse 9, he says, Pray then in this way, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So starting off here, uh, what is Jesus doing? What is, what is Jesus pointing to? Well, first off, he's pointing to the, to the very foundation of our prayers and is opening the veil by giving us a glimpse of who God is and his heart for his people. He's not telling us to go do something, like, again, using this thoughtless repetition, but instead he is saying to go to someone. Jesus is also not telling us to just go to anybody, but to our Heavenly Father. And again, this is foundational for us in our Christian lives. And we, can, and we can find ourselves often doing or even going to the wrong person. But here Jesus is again directing us to the one who can provide for us. Here we have again Jesus immediately pointing us to the Father, our Father who is in heaven. And here's a few things, a few important things that we ought to consider it would have been right for Jesus to use Lord or God or the Almighty or really any other name of God, but he chose Father, and we, we can't ignore that. The name Father describes someone who knows, who cares, and who is able to help. Our Father knows our needs and fears before we even know or even come to him. So we need to think about that. God knows our needs before we even know our needs, and before we even go and take that step to go and to pray to him. As the Psalm 139 says, is that he is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He intimately knows all of our ways. Our Father is already prepared to receive your burdens. It will not shock him, and you will not catch him off guard. So when you go to him and pray, Lord, I'm having this difficulty, again, it's not going to take God by surprise. In fact, you will find him ready to receive your burden and receive them affectionately. Matthew 6, 8 it says, so do not be like them, as in the Gentiles, for your Father knows 
what you need before you ask him. Also, we can look at uh, verse 31. And what what does he say here? What does Jesus tell us? Do not worry then what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. So again, don't worry. Don't worry. The Lord knows that you need these things. Not only does he know all of our needs, all of our anxieties, but he also is able to be concerned about each of our anxieties. He is able to not only be concerned about my anxieties, my concerns, my needs, but all of the anxieties or needs in this church. And all anxieties for all believers, all at the same time, for all of history. So you see, your, your needs and your cares are not going to overload God. Our Father is able to have his caring eye upon your very specific needs. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Having cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Again, in this verse here, again, it, what, what's, what precedes having casting your anxieties upon him is humbling. <laughs> humbling yourself. I mean, the Lord knows your needs, but you also need to go to him with your needs. Humble yourself before the Lord. Casting him, it, it's a humbling thing to cast your cares before God. But cast these things upon him. And what does it say? Having cast your anxieties upon him, and it says, because he cares for you. He wants you to cast these things upon him. And, and it's, it's not like God is saying, so you go and, and you take these cares to him. And he says, here, take a ticket. Get in line. And, and, and I, I will, I'll, I'll deal with this one-on-one. No, that's not who God is. God is able, again, to handle all of our, even our most smallest needs and smallest concerns to our very most heaviest concerns all at the same time also our God is the only one who is actually able to help it would not be comforting if God was not actually able to help us at all no matter how sympathetic no matter how sympathetic or deeply he even understood my needs we would be we would be left helpless Uh, if he was not able to help us. God is able, again, to bear the weight of all of our cares. And again, God is able to take all of our cares, all of our needs, all at the same time, and actually help each of us individually, all at the same time. Matthew 6.30 says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
Do you see what Jesus is saying here? What is Jesus doing outside? He's clothing the grass of the field. If Jesus, if God is so concerned about the grass in the field, which not right now, but you know, in the summertime is mown, it's cut down, it's here today, gone tomorrow. If he's so concerned about that, how much more is he concerned about you in providing all of your needs? And again, it's, it's a, how, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So again, it's not this thing of he may clothe you, but that he will. And Jesus, again, encouraging us to have faith in God. And do you not even see here, kind of underneath all of this, you, you have to see the omnipotence of God. Again, omnipotence is that God is all-powerful. If God was not all-powerful, God would not be able. God is all-powerful. Even to be able to clothe the grass in the field, and so therefore, he is able also to clothe and to help us, to protect us, to give us the grace that we need each and every day. W.S. Bowden says, Prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. So prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. Meaning again, us going to God and confessing, God, I am weak, but yet you are all powerful. That's what we do in prayer. So knowing these things, we can come to our Father daily and with confidence regarding our hurts. During this time, I, I, I want to help each and every one of you, and I want to bear each and every one of your, your concerns and your weight, but I can't. I can't fully. I can try to help you, but I cannot. But what I can do is I can point you to the one that can. God is able to help you. God is able to provide for you. We need to go to our Father for our help and to pour out our hearts to him. So the first thing that Jesus does after pointing to the Father is to direct us to worship him. What does he say here? Hallowed be your name, or may your name be holy, and even may your name be holy amongst the nations. But it's also this, this acknowledgement, God, you are holy. And it's this, this prayer, uh, you know, in prayer, worshiping God for who he is. God is holy, and there is no one like him. Again, what is holiness? What is, what is it? What does it mean to be holy? It means to be separate. That means there's no one like him. From the greatest of all creations, you think of all the, the, these majestic angels or whatever it may be. Nobody, again, this whole, this whole idea, of, it's also called transcendence, that God far, he transcends far above all creation. Because again, he is the creator and we all are creation. God is holy. And also, not only is God separate from us, but again, in God is perfect purity and holiness, separate 
God is like no one else. And so we can come to God and say, God, no one's like you. And that includes me. I am not like you. And so this, it's this humbling acknowledgement of who God is. And we can lose sight of that. If we're just looking at ourselves, we can lose sight that his name is actually being glorified. If we zoom out and get a picture of what is happening in the world right now, we will see that God is actually being glorified in the whole world at all times, no matter if we are in the midst of difficulties. Again, Ephesians says that the summing up of all things in Christ. Right now, God is in this movement in summing up everything to the glory of Jesus Christ. So right now, if, if we zoom out, we can see God is at work, and God is making his name known, and God is being glorified. However, we can pray, and we can ask, God, would your name be glorified more amongst people? May your name be glorified more within me. Because seeing his holiness will produce a desire to be holy yourselves. It ought to. First uh, Peter 1, 14 through 16, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours as in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So even God is calling us to that. And we want our lives to mirror, to be an example of his holiness. But the question is, is how? How do we do this? How how do we mirror God's holiness? How can we be like him? Well, again, what does it say here? Hallowed be your name. Well, the question is, is your name? What, What is your name? Who are you? And I hope that kind of rings a bell of what we've been going through, uh, you know, Sunday after Sunday, the last six months, in our times of devotion and singing to the Lord. Who is God? What is he like? And I pray as, as we think about who God is, and we think of God's patience, of God's love, that, that it would actually produce within us this desire to be conformed to him. In the same way. So as we see more, as again this veil, and as our eyes are opened more to the beauty of God, it draws us. This beauty draws us to be more conformed to Him. So again, we should desire to know Him, to search Him out, and to be like Him. We want God's name to be reverenced. We want God's name to be honored, again, individually, corporately, and throughout the world. So right now, we're actually going to pause, kind of take our first pause here. And what I'd like to do is just open this up this morning, um, and, and here's an opportunity that we have. As a body here, we can, we can pray, so we can worship our Father in prayer, and ask that his name be glorified in our church. And so I might just ask, I'm just, just going to open it up. And if you could stand up and, and 
Maybe let one or two people uh, pray, and then we'll continue here. Amen. <clears throat> well, after we worship the Father in his holiness, uh, Jesus directs us to pray that the Father's kingdom would come. Again, it says, your kingdom come. Again, God, God is omnipotent, right? And we do not need to ask that his dominion be spread further. Again, everything that you can see and things unseen already belong to him. There's nothing, absolutely nothing out there that does not belong to God, that is not under his control, under his hands. So we are not asking that for that, that God's dominion be spread further because it can't be spread further. Everything already belongs to him. It already stretches over the universe and throughout the ages. But rather, I believe that his kingdom here refers to two things. First, that more citizens would be added to his kingdom of grace. So God, or Jesus here, saying, your kingdom come. So praying, praying, Lord, would your kingdom be spread? Lord, would you please go out and would you please save people? Is that a right prayer? Absolutely. What does Matthew 9 say? Seeing the crowds, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The Lord is the har- the Lord has the harvest. The harvest belongs to him. But what Jesus is telling us to do, he says, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers out into the harvest to reap. And what's the context here? Jesus feeling compassion. Jesus having compassion on these people and saying, see, pray in this way. Pray that laborers would be sent out amongst these people. So we do not see that God has compassion on this world and even upon the ungodly. He desires that all would repent. And so he's telling us, your kingdom come. Lord, would you please, would you please save? Lord, would your gospel go out Would it change lives? And so we can ask for help, you know, as we go day by day and looking for opportunities to share or praying for our family, praying those that are close by that are lost, but also praying for those that are out, out in other countries, praying that God would send out laborers to bear the gospel. For again, God desires that the kingdom of his grace would extend to every tribe and language and people and nation. So again, Lord, may your kingdom come, may this kingdom of grace be spread, but also that his final kingdom of glory would come. In April, I I spoke on on Titus 2 uh, that the grace of God teaches us three things. First was to deny to live and look. 
to deny ungodliness. The grace of God teaches us, if you've experienced the grace of God, if you've experienced salvation, that teaches us something. It teaches us to deny ungodliness. It also teaches us to live to righteousness. But also it says to be looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So because of what God has done in our lives, that teaches us to be looking ahead, to be looking for something, looking for Christ's return. I mean, don't we all want that? We want to see Christ come in his glory and to be, have everything be made right and God redeeming, reconciling everything to himself. We do, we do desire that. We want God, again, and and just the world to see the glory of Jesus Christ. We desire that. So we all desire to magnify his holiness and pray that God would come up or would come and set up his final kingdom. So, again, we might have another little break here. And we can pray that God's kingdom would spread in the salvation of souls and Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. I'll go ahead and pray again. <clears throat> well, Jesus goes uh, further here, and I think that he uh, starts to directly to, to point to some of our personal needs. I mean, I think it's partially here. So the next thing here, it says, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like I, I do think that there is an element that, Lord, may your will be done, may your desires be accomplished throughout the earth, and kind of this, this whole earth, God, you know, again, God fulfilling and completing his desires. But sometimes, where does that start? It starts with us. And so I think here is where, you know, Jesus is also pointing to, and something that we can, again, fashion our prayers of Lord, may your desires become, may your desires come, may your will be done in my life. We need to be praying that God's desires be accomplished as it is in heaven. There is no lack of obedience in heaven. Even God's simplest of creations obey him at his command. Here recently we were reading through as a family in Luke and reading about how Jesus called his disciples and, and he was uh, calling Peter and Andrew and James and John and, and he goes to Peter right after they just came off of the water and he's saying, let's go back out and catch some fish. And Peter said, you know, I, I, we tried all night, didn't catch anything, but okay, and submits to him. And, and they go out and what happens? Their nets were full. Okay, okay, that's that's a you know amazing miracle here. But let's think about this. What did the fish do? The fish of simplest creation, God's simplest, one of God's simple creations, obeyed God, directing not just one, but countless number of fish going together, obeying God's command, going to this very specific place where this net was drawn down and going into that net. So if God's simplest creation is obeying 
the command and the voice of the Lord, what are we doing? Like that ought to rebuke us. If the fish obey, we ought to obey. We all want to please God and fulfill his desires. And again, as I read there in 1 Peter, it says, as obedient children. When you become a child of God, again, one of the first things, again, is when God puts that new heart within you, you have a desire to fear him and to walk in all of his ways. But we have to be reminded of that and have to constantly, day by day, submitting ourselves to God, what is your desire? And it may not be exactly what I want, but Lord, I am submitting to what you have for me. And he goes on and he says, give us this day our daily bread. Here we are directed to ask God, ask our Father for our most basic needs. Again, I think it is right for us to, to ask, Lord, can you, you know, give me food for today? But I think that Jesus is obviously, again, this is just a model prayer. And he's teaching us to go even further. Again, we can't simply just be in need of bread, but also not in need of water, in need of strength, in need of help for this and that. So again, Jesus is, is, is really pointing to one of the very basics, basic things of, that we need bread, and from that, showing us that we need him more also in, in everything else around our lives. Again, this puts us a place in a place of humility. You need something. I mean, again, you might go home, or you might, you know, again, even think that, well, at home I've got, you know, my, my meal already all planned. I've got all these plans ready to go. <laughs> We've got to be careful. You know, what can happen? You know, we don't, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in, in the next few minutes. And we have to lean and, and look and, and have this heart of dependence upon our Father, God, would you please provide me all of my needs, my basic needs? We need God. We are needy people. It would be a proud thing if you said that you weren't, if you don't recognize that. We are in constant need throughout the day, every moment, every single day for the rest of our lives, for everything. Even for the very air that we breathe, we are dependent on God. We need to look to God for our help. And again, what does he say here? Give us this day our daily bread. Now, it's not wrong to ask for help for tomorrow or to help for this week. That's, that's not wrong to do that. But how does God often provide? Day by day, moment by moment. When, when you need something, at that point in time when you need it, God will provide. Our Heavenly Father will provide from his storehouse of grace one day at a time and one thing at a time. 1 Peter 4, 19, and this has been a verse that's been on my heart the last several weeks. And my God will Supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So we've got to hang ourselves on some of these words here. It says, and my God 
It doesn't say may supply or possibly supply, but it says he will supply. Some of your needs? No. It says God and my God will supply all your needs. So again, what are your needs? What, what are things that you truly, truly need? What are things that you actually need help on? You can go to God, and again, I, I, I think that, again, through the, you know, this prayer here, God is teaching us that we do need to go to God for our needs and not just simply believe that, well, God will provide even if I don't ask. It's like we, we are taught to ask. We are taught to plead with God. God, please, would you give me what I need. And if you go to God and ask, and it's something that you truly need, God will provide it for you. And again, it says, according to his riches. Again, this overflowing wealth of God, of who he is, overflowing out of his, his love and bounty. He says he will provide for you. So we should pray yet again here, that each of us would walk in submission to his desires and ask that God would supply all of our needs. So why don't we pray another time here. Now Jesus goes further here and he instructs us to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Again, we need to, to daily confess our known and even our unknown sins, as Psalm 19, verse 12 says. And we can acknowledge that we are still in the flesh and that we will sin. Again, if, if you have no sin to confess, you're probably just not seeing things right. Uh, again, First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Obviously, there are times when we may not have or can think of any known sins in our lives, but we do, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sure, I'm sure that I have failed you in some way. Uh, forgive me, help me, uh, help me to honor you more. But our, our sins are already forgiven as believers, but asking for forgiveness restores our relationship with our Father. And here it says, and again, we cannot ignore uh, the second part of, of this verse here. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We want God to forgive us just like we have forgiven others. We cannot ignore unforgiveness we cannot. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I mean, another way we could kind of flip it around, right, and say, Woe to the merciless, for you will not receive mercy. We need to be people that are quick to forgive and to forgive exactly how you would want God to forgive you. Unforgiveness will block the fellowship of the Father. Your relationship with the Father 
will be broken. It'll be strained. Not only that, but you'll grieve the Spirit. And again, the Spirit's working in your life. You'll grieve the one that is in you, trying to sanctify you and conforming you after the image of Christ. Also, unforgiveness can hinder our prayers. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, God, what does God want you to do? God wants you to go and to forgive. And when you do that, again, that can, that can restore prayer. Also, it'll give the devil an opportunity in your life. Again, Paul warns us not to allow any foothold for the devil. But if you're holding on to unforgiveness, it's like the devil has this place in your life that he can spring off of and cause further damage in your life and bring you down and maybe even lead you into sin. And it can also quench the fellowship of the saints. We as a body, you know, we may have disagreements, but we, there cannot be any unforgiveness. This is one area in which we are required to do. Again, Lord, forgive me of my sins just as I am also going and forgiving other people. This is really a, a command. We, we have to do that. And he goes on and says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, if, if you are going from a position of unforgiveness, in many ways, it's kind of a, prow- a powerless prayer to ask to not lead me into temptation. Because again, you've already given a foothold to the devil. So Jesus instructs us to pray that we would not be led into temptation. Being justified by faith, by God, will lead us to a desire for sanctification. Again, as believers, we are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. We are in in a place that we stand justified before God. Because of that, that produces within us this desire for sanctification. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we see God as holy, and that draws us to be holy ourselves. Psalm 141, verse 4, says, Do not incline my heart to any evil thing. Again, this is a prayer of realization of who we are, of how weak we really are. We are inclined to fall into sin outside of the grace of God. Again, God has given us this new heart to fear him, but again, we are still dependent upon his daily deliverance over sin. And again, we can all agree that we are not all above failing and that we want to walk in freedom over sin. But again, how do we do this? We need to be going to the Lord and asking, Lord, please help me today not to fall into sin. Lord, please do not incline my heart to any evil thing. Please, Lord, please do not let me be led into temptation. You are going to be tempted. Temptation is inevitable. It's going to happen. But what's your next steps? 
Lord, please help me. At that moment of temptation, what, is, what does Paul say there in Corinthians? No temptation has overtaken you, but is such as common as man. But God will, what? Provide a way of escape. Lord, please help me to see this way of escape. Lord, when I am tempted today, not if, when I am tempted today, Lord, help me. Help me to take the right steps. Help me to take this way of escape and not be led into temptation. So again, we need to humble ourselves and recognize that again, we need God day by day, even in the midst of temptation. If outside of God's grace, you are going to fall into sin. We have to look to the Lord for help to deliver us from evil. So finally, why don't we end here in in praying for God to forgive our sins as we have forgiven others and that we would not be led into temptation. Father, again, we come, Lord, and, and... Again, just going through this, this section here, Lord, again, we, we are thankful, Lord, that we do have a Father. We thank you that um, just who you are, your attributes, and how caring and loving and concerned that you are uh, for each and every one of our needs, uh, not, in, not just individually, but corporately. Uh, thank you for, again, we, you know, we can wonder lord that you know you you've you've designed fatherhood and and i am a father um and and why again it's it's us reflecting who you are and, and you put us in these positions um to reflect your attributes um lord we we thank you father again uh for uh just opening this up and and showing us who you are here Lord, again, we acknowledge that, that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are good, that you are separate from us. Lord, we humble ourselves before you and again acknowledge that holy is your name. Lord, glory, all glory be to you, Lord, for again, you deserve our whole lives. Lord, and we desire that not just that we see your holiness, Lord, but that also that your holiness would extend um, and, and that other people from every tribe and tongue and nation, every people group would know and would see your holiness, Lord. May your kingdom come uh, in that, Lord. Would you save, um, would you save souls? Um, Lord, even here today, here in our midst and in Kirksville and, and Missouri and, and, and keep going, Lord, we, we pray, Father, that, that you would save. Uh, Lord, we ask that, that you would send out laborers uh, to, to labor in the harvest field, Lord, to be faithful ministers of your gospel. Lord, help us also not just to simply look to them as being faithful laborers, but help us also to be faithful laborers in the harvest and, and what you've put in front of us, Lord, to, to again, to be faithful uh, to what you've given us to do. Lord, we also pray, Lord Maranatha, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, Lord, may your final kingdom come. And again, just that, that Christ, Lord, we desire, Lord, that, that your name be honored, Lord, to see, to see you come upon the clouds and, and to see 
all of your glory, Lord, and, and to see that, as John says, that we will be able to see you face to face, Lord, and that we will be like you because we will see you for who you are. And so we thank you for that, Lord, and pray, Lord, that you will come, Lord, and that you will restore and that you will redeem. Uh, Lord, so we, we thank you, Lord, that we have this great hope, uh, this hope of Christ's return. Lord, we also, we pray that your will be done, Lord, your, your utmost desires um, in the earth, upon the earth, but Lord, also, again, individually, Lord, may we um, ourselves daily submit, um, again, this is Andrew speaking on, just what, um, what, is our, what is our purpose? You know, why are we here? Uh, and one of them is to serve. We are here to serve. We are here to submit, to daily to submit to you. Lord, and, and, and really, if, if you know, sin deceives us and sin confuses to where it seems like it's, it's wrong or difficult or, or uh, bad if we submit to you, but actually the opposite. Lord, when we submit to you, there's life and there's joy. And so help us to see that clearly and let's help, help us to walk in submission to you. Lord, we also, again, acknowledge our, our daily needs, Lord, that, that we are in need uh, daily, not just for our, our food and for breath, but for wisdom, for help, to, to, to love to be able to show grace, to be able to just to walk. And, and again, um, in, in what, what you've given us, even just at work, to be able to, to work in a way that's honoring and pleasing to you. And again, looking for opportunities. Lord, so we, we, we pray for grace, Lord, that, that you would provide all of our needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Lord, and again, we ask that you would forgive us our sins uh, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Lord, help us to be quick. Help us to be quick to forgive. Help us not to hold on to any unforgiveness, but help us to quickly to go and, and to forgive um, and, and to show love in that way, Lord, because how do we want to be forgiven? Lord, we want you to quickly forgive us. We want you to quickly do that, Lord. So we, we ask for for help, Lord, that, that you would show us, um, is there any unforgiveness in our hearts? Lord, is there anything uh, blocking us? Lord, again, we, we want there to be um, openness in prayer. Um, we, we don't want our prayers to be hindered in any way, Lord. Uh, we want there to be fellowship with the Spirit and fellowship with the Father and fellowship with the Son. And we know that, again, sin uh, breaks this fellowship. So, Lord, we, we ask for help that you would, uh, again, open our eyes, um, show us. Lord, help us to walk in humility in these things. And, again, humbly ask, Lord, please. And as, as uh, the psalmist, again, in Psalm 139, it says, Search us, O God, and know our ways. And as he says, and lead us in the everlasting way. Lord, so we, again, we know and acknowledge that there are probably hidden faults, that there are hidden faults, and so, Lord, we ask to show us and help us to, to repent and then yet also to forgive. Lord, and again, we, we lean on you um, and acknowledging, Lord, that, um, Lord, outside of your grace, Lord, we are going to fall into sin. 
Lord, we need moment by moment, Lord, we need your spirit to help us to fight off temptation. Lord, again, using the sword of the spirits, you know, and, and again, these, these things that you've given us, but it's all, it's all from you. It's not anything from ourselves, and we're, we're supplying ourselves these things. Uh, it's these spiritual armor, Lord, that you've given us. And so we, we ask uh, for help, Lord, that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, help us um, as we go forward, Lord, to see uh, the way of escape and that we would run to that and flee to that, uh, that we would, again, live in holiness and purity. Lord, again, because you are holy and we do desire that. Lord, we, again, acknowledge, Lord, that yours is the kingdom. Lord, that all things belong to you, everything, Lord, that nothing is outside of your control and that you have all the power and all glory forever, Lord. And we, again, we want to honor that and to give you praise uh, that's deserving. Amen.